Good morning. Wakey, wakey, everybody. Time to get up. Are you ready to go to work? Okay, run in the kitchen. Get that cup of coffee. Get that virtual donut. Pull up a chair and relax and listen to the show before you go to work. Hey, I wanted to bring something up. Uh, Yesterday's show, if you tuned in, if you streamed in, I should say, you probably thought, what the heck happened to Mornings with Ken? Has Ken lost his mind? Well, yesterday's show was kind of in response to um, some controversial things about Mornings with Ken that might have happened um, with cancel culture. And uh, so that was kind of a tongue-in-cheek response to what's uh, happening in the world with uh, canceling culture, I guess, or opinions. There can only be one narrative. And uh, at any rate, so that's what yesterday's show was about. It wasn't me. It wasn't meant to be offensive to anybody. It was just tongue-in-cheek. And uh, so, you know, it was what it was. Now we're moving on. We're going to move on to something that's not controversial. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Years ago, probably when I was in my 20s, oh, before I was in my 20s, probably my late teens, I had lost my childhood Bible. Like, possibly my first Bible that my parents ever bought for me, I would assume. Um, I don't remember. Well, I kind of do remember one other ones because it was more of a picture Bible. So I don't know if you really consider that um, a Bible. But um, so I had lost this Bible and it kind of meant a lot to me because to me, it was my my very first Bible. I took it to Sunday school class and I, I read scriptures out of it, and it's, you know, it's beaten and torn and missing missing the cover, parts of the cover. But then years later, a woman from the church I attended said that she had that Bible in her house and didn't know how to reach me Um, Because years had passed, years had passed, and she really didn't really know who I was at the time, but she had that Bible in her house, and she returned it to me once we finally met, and she found out who I was. It's kind of an amazing story. Well, that was in the early 90s, and she gave it back to me, and I've had it ever since. And, you know, I'm looking at it in the outer cover like I say, it's torn. It's missing big hunts, big chunks of the front cover. The writing, there's writing on the next page in. Um, you figure, I have the date written down of the year, 1973. So I'm assuming my mom probably got this Bible for me in 1973. And it has writing all of scribbles, like a so if it's 1973, I was four years old. Um, 
that's a pretty good Bible to give a four-year-old. But um, <laughs> it has scribbles in it and things crossed out on the, in the cover. And, and uh, I have a, bi- a vacation Bible sticker with my name on it. It says, I'm his. It says, Jesus, I'm his and he's mine. Little uh, vacation Bible school sticker on there has my name and my phone number and uh, it also has I wrote down I wrote down John 424 in the in the first page of my Bible John chapter 424 and I was wondering why I don't know I probably did this probably when I was going to Sunday school and I was curious why would a young kid write down John four twenty four, because that scripture says this. Now this is King James because back then um, everybody read out of the King James. Um, so John four twenty four says, "God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit." and in truth. And I have it circled there. So I don't know if that was something um, the Sunday school teachers were teaching that week and it meant something to me. But at any rate, it, it, it brings back memories, just holding this Bible in my hand and thinking about how many times I've used it and how beat up it is. But it holds a special place in my heart because it's my first. It's my first. And it's my first communication with God, this Holy Bible. You know, first time I'm reading his word as a young child. So it means a lot. So old things can be sentimental and mean a lot to you. And, but it's not about the, it's not about the, the, the old Bible though. You know, I'm, I'm happy to have this Bible back. But you know what? I'm more so happy that his word has never changed even for a kid from 1973, but his word has not changed over centuries. Um, His word will never change. And I'm grateful for that because, you know, often we can, the theologians can talk about interpretations of the Bible, uh, hermeneutics and how to read the Bible, how to interpret it. But, This book, although there's some difficult things in here to read or understand, this book is alive to me. This book is alive. It's a living word, the living word of God. It's God-breathed. And I think it's pretty easy to understand. It's God's story to mankind that he wanted us to have. Sure, it tells all the ancient stories from 
Adam and Eve to Noah and the flood and Moses. It tells us about the different kingdoms that have come and gone and God's people, Israel. The prediction of a, a prophecy of the coming Messiah that was fulfilled in the New Testament. Throughout all the centuries, this word has remained the same. Oh, sure, we've had we've had many different versions, and you know, scriptures translated into different languages. And but you know what? God has protected His word throughout centuries, and it's still a message of salvation to His people. And I appreciate this more and more. The older I get, the more I fall in love with his word. Because that's all we really have in, in, in life is, uh, is our future hope. And I hope you have a future hope. And I hope your hope is, is built on Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, you could hold on to a lot of things in life. A lot of things that's going to rust and decay. You could buy that new car. You could buy that new end table or have a room carpeted. I'm downstairs in my family room right now. And uh, I'm wanting to get this family room carpeted, um, depending on the expense. I can do that, but that carpet's going to get stained over time. It's going to get wore out from being walked on and furniture moved on it. Heaven forbid if the dog urinates on it. But, <laughs> but that carpet's going to wear out over time. And I've, I would have spent money on it. It's going to decay. The TV that's hanging on the wall is going to fall down off that wall one day or be taken down, it's going to be destroyed eventually. So if, if for all we're seeking after is things, then we'll have nothing. We'll have nothing. You know, you think about the song from Kansas that they they sang years ago in the 70s late 70s the writer from Kansas penned a song all we are is dust in the wind all we are is dust in the wind and there's a little bit of truth to that but actually we're more than just dust in the wind Man has, a, man has a spirit, a soul. Man has a soul, and that soul is going to live on forever. When you die, that soul is going to live on forever. But it's going to live on forever in one or two places. And 
the Bible says that it's either going to live on in heaven or hell in total separation from God. You know, when your body when your body finally decays, your spirit is going to live on. And I have hope that you've made hope you've at least investigated the claims of Christ. Christ prophesied well over 600 years years before his birth. He was prophesied that a baby would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be the sacrificial lamb to take, to take the sins away from the world. And, and that was written over 600 years before his birth. And it all came true in the New Testament. I hope you take the time to investigate the claims of Christ, that he was more than a man, that the creator of this universe loved his creation so much, me and you, that he wanted the best for us. And when, when, we, when we turned our backs on God, he didn't just wipe us off the face of the earth. He made a way of escape. He made a plan. He made a plan to redeem his creation back to himself. And that plan was sending his only son to earth to die, be be crucified on a cross, to be buried in a grave, but yet rise from the dead after three days of being in the tomb And he's coming back for those who put their trust in him. And I hope you're one of those that put their trust in Christ. You know, since I have my Bible right here in my hand, let's just go to one of the most famous verses in Scripture. A lot of people know it, even if you weren't raised in church. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse verse 16. Let's actually start in 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but but that the world through him might be saved. Sorry, I got a little bit confused because I'm going old, I'm going old King James on you. So, so, God did send his son 
that whosoever believeth in him. Are you a whosoever? Whosoever believeth in him should have eternal life. You know, there's a lot of uh, religions out there. There's a lot of religions out there. But I ask you to investigate the claims of Christ. Read it for read the Bible for yourself. Look at the other religions. See if their savior rose from the dead. I am confident that my savior rose from the dead. And he's coming back again. He's coming back again to take us to heaven. So, hey, that's that's really all I have have to say today. I, um, more so, I'm sorry this was kind of, you know, kind of sentimental and, but uh, just looking at my old Bible I saw on the shelf, I just thought uh thought I'd share those thoughts with you. As a reminder to trust in God. God didn't put you on this earth without a purpose. He has a purpose and a plan. He does have a purpose and a plan for you the great prime mover, the one who created the whole universe has a plan for you. Do you think all that it is is you live in this life and you just do what you can to get through life, to live, maybe to party? But what do you have at the very end of your life? You could have the greatest of times. You could have visited the world. You could have done everything you wanted in life. But at the end, what do you have? What do you have at the end of your life? Where is your hope at? Your, your hope can't be in your home. You don't have it anymore. Your hope can't be in your job, your career. The good times you had, that's all gone. What's your hope after death? And better yet, what is your hope now? See, God just doesn't promise. He... God just doesn't promise heaven. He promises an abundant life now. And that abundant life doesn't mean riches. It means the joy of serving Christ and finding out what your purpose is in this life. There's more to this life than what you think. Hey, 
Thanks for putting up with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, I know this wasn't a, another typical Mornings with Ken show, but um, I just wanted to get that off my, off my heart and share that with you. So I want you to have a blessed day. God loves you and has a plan for your life. Bye-bye now.